Good evening. Welcome to week number two of our sermon series, God Goals, as we are now in 2020. Uh, our God longs to bless us. Uh, our, long God's to gu- our God longs to guide us. And I pray that as we unpack today's goal, you truly are blessed in your life of faith. Choices. Life is filled with choices, right? Like tonight, all of you made a conscious choice to say, Yes to God, yes to church at 5.30, and, and no to Green Bay and the Packers. Like, I know some of you are Green Bay Packer fans too, so yeah, that's a great choice. Either that or you were busy at 3.30 and you couldn't make that option. Choices. I want you to choose this right now. Can you tune out from your phone and even tune in your brain to, if you are a Packer fan, think about what's transpiring right now as we speak and what maybe happened and, and focus in. God would want you to do that because I pray that as you hear his word tonight, you are blessed. And God would have you do that because in life there are choices uh, that he knows we have to make and, and he longs to guide us and, and in those he longs to bless us. And I pray that the words that I share with you, the encouragement that God gives to you, the goal that he lays out for you, will do just that in 2020 and beyond as you consider your life, as you live in light of his love for you, which is really the first thing I want you to think about today. Choices. And you made some today. You're going to make some tomorrow. Life is filled with choices. Some of them are really easy, right? Some of you don't even think through the process of what you're going to eat. You have such a a regular routine that the food that you eat, the cafeteria you might go to, the the choices that are in front of you are are pretty easy to, to make a decision on. But the truth is in life, all of us know this. Some choices are more difficult than others, right? And some choices are more important than others. Uh, Choosing whether or not you want to get married to to that person that you've been dating for a long time is a a pretty important choice. Is this the right person for me? Is this the the best fit for me? Is is this the life choice that I want to make? Because I know it's a lifelong commitment. If you're nearing the end of your high school career, if maybe you're a junior and the ACT is on the horizon, you You've taken that test or you're studying for that test. You probably have had many people ask you, you know, where are you going to college? That's a pretty important choice. When you are preparing for college, the question is what? What do you want to major in? What do you want to focus on? And a lot of people know the importance of getting that right. Having a a job that you love (laughs) to do can impact your life on a day-to-day basis. The reality is we live in a world that... Most of us would agree, especially those of us who have maybe had that life experience, that this is true. It's your first fill in the blank. Choices can make or break your life. Who you choose to marry, do they have a spiritual foundation? What are their values? Do you have things in common? Uh, What is it that has attracted you to them, and, and is it something that will stick? It can make or break your life. Who you choose to do life with. Choices. They can make or break your life from a career standpoint, right? I, I chose that job, that career path, or, or maybe God has put in your path a big decision in regards to the direction of your career. If I make that choice, if I choose that opportunity, if I take that promotion, how will it impact my family? How will it impact our financial situation? How might it impact us from having to move and relocate and, and pull up our roots and disconnect from our church family and a community that we love. Choices can make or break our life. And most people wouldn't disagree with that, would they? 
Maybe you had to make some of those choices yourself. And here's probably the thing that in those big choices, those life-changing choices, those moments where you don't know where to go, you don't know what direction to take, what path to go down, you've asked this question. How do I know what God wants me to do? Like in this whole series, you're talking about God goals. Have, have you ever thought about in the choices that you make? Like when you sat down and, and you said, for 20 years, I've worked this job. I've been paid really well. I'm really good at it. But maybe just maybe this is the time for me to take some of those resources and, and put them towards that, that job of my dreams. Uh, open my own business. Get out on my own. And so, God, I really just want what, to know what you want me to do. Or maybe you're wrestling with that, that relationship that you have, someone you, you've invested more than a year with. Like, this person is great. You enjoy their company. Uh, you, you enjoyed some of the same hobbies and, and, and interests. And, and you're thinking to yourself, God, can you just give me a sign to know if this, if this person is the one I should spend the rest of my life with? I should do life with them. Uh, it would just be so much easier if I could just hear from you, find in your word some clear evidence that, that this is the path and decision that I should make, the choice that, that is obvious. And have any of you spent hours upon hours with a, a big life decision that you know can either make or break you and, and just wait on God? <laughs> some of you are laughing right now. That means maybe you're doing it as we speak. Choices right? If I could only find out from God what, what he wants. And if you've wrestled with that, if you've thought about that, then I'm glad you're here tonight. In fact, I'm glad and I pray and hope that if you're watching online, if you're listening to podcasts, uh, or if this is just week number two that you've decided to come to a church because it was one of your goals, that, that you're here for this series. Because that's what we're seeking from God in this series. God, what do you want me to do. And now as you think about the choices that we have in life, you know what you're not going to get from me tonight? I I'm not going to tell you to turn to Hezekiah chapter 3 verse 18, where you can find the insight and wisdom about how to make sure you pick the right spouse. Oh, some of you are pulling out your Bible app right now. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and if my son came to me and said, dad, I I'm not sure how to how to make a choice on a career change or investing in this relationship. I can't give him places in scripture that are going to answer those questions in great detail. And there's the name of the person that you should spend the rest of your life with. So no, those things God doesn't necessarily speak to. But his word does give us insight and guidance as to how we should live, as to how we should think when, when decisions have to be made, when, when life needs to be lived out and, and how he would have us live for him. No matter what the decision, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what we're going through. And that's God goal number two for tonight. I, what I pray that you find in it as we dig into it is that God's very clear on the answer of what he wants you to do. And in fact, there are two passages I want to share with you. And then what we're going to do is give you the blank of God goal number two. Pastor Michael already told you uh, where we're going tonight. And then I want to unpack that a little bit more, what that looks like, what that means for us, why it's possible uh, when it comes to, to this goal. Very clearly in the word of God, actually 204 times, if you use the NIV translation, you're going to find this word that we're going to focus on tonight. 
It's kind of summed up by the, the words of James. If you ever read the book of James, sometimes it's right in your face. It's pretty brash, pretty bold, tells you very clearly what God wants. And here's what James has to say. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And don't just hear it. Don't just open it up and, and scan through it and, and check it off the list as a box that you, you have to carry out. No, James, inspired by God, Jesus' half-brother James, the leader of the early Christian church, says, don't just merely listen to it. Don't come to church and just merely listen to a pastor talk and ramble for 35 minutes and, 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 and call it a day. No, what James would tell you that God wants you to do is to, to live at the other 167 hours of the week. Do what it says. Live it on the outside. Don't just take it in, maybe process it and think about it a little bit and say, well, that was interesting, that was nice, and then completely forget about it. If you know the verse that follows this, James literally says, if you live like this, it'd be like looking at yourself in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. That's not what God wants you to do. It's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to, to just do it, as the Nike slogan says, to practice what he preaches but maybe you're not convinced. Some of you maybe heard the book of James is really in your face. And, and many Christian scholars have struggled with the book of James because uh, when it comes to application, it's all about life and there's not a whole lot about Jesus. Well, let's let Jesus talk on the topic. Because if he's the one you want to listen to about what God wants you to do, here's what Jesus says. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out. This is where I should have had someone read it for me. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Jesus is talking, Jesus is teaching this, uh, this woman and maybe the rest of this crowd had heard of how amazing Jesus was, the miracles that Jesus had done, uh, the, the uh, teachings that he was giving were far different than anything they had ever heard. And so she boldly and proudly yells out, blessed is your mom, she gave birth to you. How great is she among women? And you know what Jesus didn't say? You're right. I mean, he could have. He loved his mom. And God even said, blessed are you among women, Mary, that you will bear the child of God. But instead of this crowd, Jesus said, no, this is what makes one blessed. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. Do it. Follow through with it. Live it. See, that's God's goal number two as a part of our series. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to wrestle with and consider when it comes to choices that you make, the life that you live, the day-to-day -day routine? What, what does God want you to do uh, when it comes to considering the, the home that you live in, the community that you're a part of, uh, the relationships that you're connected to? What does God want you to do? He, he wants you to hear his word and he wants you to obey it. 204 times that word obey is found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God wants obedience. God wants your heart and not just your head. God wants your hands, your eyes, your feet, your words, your life. God wants you to consider your, your wallet, your, your checkbook, 
God wants you to think about and wrestle with all the things that, that he lays out in his word, the do's and the don'ts. And, and he says, I want obedience. And now all of that might be leaving some of you with a pit in your stomach, right? Because if I ask you the question, how are you doing? When it comes to what God wants, how would you answer? Like the odds are, are pretty good some of you are squirming right now. Because what anyone, no one else in this room knows is real in your mind and your heart. Because it's known to you and it's known to God. Some of you are, are feeling guilt. Because you came here not because you wanted to, but because you had to. Some of you are looking at God's commands and saying, honor your father and mother, I know it. It's the fourth commandment. And I've already rolled my eyes at my parents five times. I've mumbled under my breath and I didn't make my bed. You're sitting there next to your spouse. And right now you're feeling the, the reality of, I didn't love her first today. I was selfish with my words. I was all about me. Or maybe you're thinking about three days ago. When after six months of, of sobriety or, or maybe six months of, of your eyes not looking in places that they shouldn't have on the computer, uh, maybe six months of, of dealing with that anger issue, you had the outburst. You had the breakdown. You caved into that, that same old sin that, that, it, that, that you've come back to time and time again and, and you're overwhelmed. Because now when you hear this goal, you're wondering, how, is, how, how can I have this as a goal? Because <laughs> I know my, my life and, and I know the train wreck that it's been. How would it be possible, Pastor Tim? Like you're setting me up for failure. Anyone feel like that right now? I hope not. Because that's not my goal. And here's how it's possible that, that we can make this goal a reality. When we come to these words that the Apostle Paul laid out for us, how can this God goal to, to be obedient to God, to follow through on what God says, to not just hear the word but do it, be possible? Well, why would God hold it out as a goal? That, that's what we want to see from God. And, and I, I would tell you that in Romans chapter 12, we, we get the answer. Look at what God tells us to the Apostle Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't just hear the word, but do what it says. But do you notice what God doesn't say about why you should do it? He doesn't say do it in order to to get into heaven. He doesn't say do it in order to be saved. He doesn't say do it because it's a have to. He says do it because it's a get to in view of my mercy. <laughs> he says do it because of what I've done for you. All those laundry list of things I described before from, from the times of disobedience you had as a, as a child with your parents, from the failures and and disobedience to God to love other people first, from the, the times that you didn't use your resources to, to honor God, to, 
to love the people in your life, to help those who are in need. You know what Jesus did? He was obedient. Each and every day, he honored his mother and father perfectly. When it came to worship and and church and going to the synagogue and being in God's word, you know what Jesus did? He was always about his father's business. 100% always a get-to. When it came to loving his enemies, Jesus did it. When he went to the cross, he didn't lash back. He didn't try and go get off the cross. No, he, he stayed there. And in the moment when he could have resented all those who were, who were there and were doing what they did to him, you know what he didn't harbor? Bitterness and rage. Instead, he offered forgiveness. Because they didn't know what they were doing. The Apostle Paul says this. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And you know what makes obedience possible? The one who was obedient. You know why a Christian longs to, to carry out this God goal? It's because God himself came down to earth and became obedient to God. And you know why he did it? Because he loved God. And he loves you. And he wants you to, to reach the ultimate goal, life with him. And his perfect obedience, his death on the cross, his, his resurrection from the dead, all those things are realities that, that change the game when it comes to obedience. I, I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I, I want to and I get to because it's done in view of God's mercy. I don't do it to get anything. I do it because I've been given everything. God's mercy and love and, and a relationship with God. When you look at those words, he, he tells you then, here's the how. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. I mean, the, the world obeys because they don't, you know why people obey for the most part? They don't want to get in trouble. You know why you, you hit the brakes when you see a police officer on the, the side of the road or in the median? Because you don't want to get in trouble. And you know why kids don't cross the line more often than they already do? Because they don't want to get punished and, and, and have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> they, they follow the law because if they break it, there's a, there's, there's a punishment. Well, that's not like God calls us to obedience. It, it, it's not done to, to make your life miserable. It's to make your life better. And the world would say, follow us, the pattern of the world. God would say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, is pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God wants? Have your mind transformed. You know how mind transformation happens? It only happens through the gospel that tells us about Jesus Christ, the obedient one. It only happens when we live in light of God's mercy that we know that we're loved. You heard Pastor Michael say, we love not because uh, it's anything in us, but we were loved by God. And, and the love that God has for us then overflows in our life as we want to love God, obey God, and fulfill God's commands. And the Bible is filled with passages that talk about the law of God. Jesus doesn't want us to, to think it's a burden, but it's to be a blessing. And how many of you have ever memorized the Ten Commandments? You think about it, this is the strict list of things that, that God tells you you can't do or you need to do. And, and it's so restrictive on your life. You know why God gave the commandments? 
Not to be restrictive in and of itself, but to be protective of amazing things that God longs for, for you to be blessed by so that others might be blessed through you. God says, protect your, your neighbor's reputation because he knows how important it is. And God says obedience in that area is a great thing because it blesses others and it blesses you. God says, don't take his name in vain because he longs for people in the world to see God when, when they see you. It's a blessing to, to our world and community and people who don't know God. He says, remember the Sabbath day because it's here in God's house that you hear his word and you can apply those truths. You can celebrate his mercy that, that is transformational. Honor your father and mother and those in authority because when you do, it'll go well with you. Like obeying the law does bring blessings. It keeps you out of trouble. It does. In a, in a physical way. God longs for us to be blessed. He, he protects one of the greatest of all gifts when, it, when he says do not commit adultery because he knows how precious and beautiful and a part of his creation and design marriage is the intimate union of husband and wife. That's what God calls and wants obedience. Not to limit you, but to bless you. Because Jesus promised that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And now that you know the how and, and the why, I want you to get a little bit of what. And what does obedience look like? What are some of the things I consider how can I apply this to my life as I dig into God's word? The, the only way to know what God wants me to do is to, to really be in that word. God's never going to tell you who to marry. God's never going to tell you in your relationship that uh, marriage that maybe you're struggling with right now. And I don't know what to do. It isn't good. Uh, he's not going to tell you uh, very specifically with detail. You know, here's what you do and here's what you shouldn't do. But he's going to give you guidance about how you should live and what you should carry out in that relationship to, to do it the way God wants you to do it. And these three truths, I'm hoping that you can apply to this God goal. Because I think it's one that each and every one of us want to make and live in view of God's mercy, right? That our love for God, just like Jesus loved God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, that we might be transformed and, and want to live this goal each and every day. So that when decisions come, we can listen to God and follow through in the ways that God would have us live. Not looking for signs and and, and, and waffling around trying to figure out the will of God, but, but literally finding what does God say? What does he want me to know? What does he want me to pray about? And then in light of all those things, what might I do? Now, so obedience 101, three things that, that I want you to take away about it, to know about it. What does it look like? What do I need to remember? What do I need to understand? Obedience 101 first begins with this. It requires these two things, faith and works. Without faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, none of us can obey God. It's impossible, right? Uh, you can live a moral life. You can choose to do some good things. But without faith, obedience to God is impossible. So faith is required. But also works are required. It's not just knowing the word. It's not just trusting in God. But it's follow through on the word of God. It's putting it into action. You want an example of what faith and works looks like? In the life of a believer, look no further than the man known as Abraham. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the heroes of faith chapter in the Bible, chapter 11 in the New Testament, Abraham is, is lifted up as an example of faith. And, and what we see in his faith is he put it into practice. Hebrews chapter 11, 
Verse 8 says this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I just wish I could have been there for the conversation. Hey, Abraham, I want you to pack up your things. I want you to leave where you're from, where your family is, the only place you've ever known, and I want you to go. Pack the wagons, get your animals, uh, hitch them all up, uh, take your, your nephew Lot and, and his family and, and go. But where? <laughs> I like to be in control, so I probably would ask at least three or four times. But, but where? Just go. I'll show you. I've got this. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give your people a land. I'm going to bless every nation through you. Go. And you know what Abraham did? He went. Faith and works. The Bible says in the book of James are inseparable. Faith without works is dead. Obedience 101 requires both. And as we dig into God's word, you know how many different areas of our life, how many different commands of God, how many different things he tells us to do or not to do? Are great examples of how faith and works are both required? Just think about what God says when it comes to obedience to those in authority. You know what the Bible says about how we're to view our leaders, those who rule over our country? We're to pray for them. We're to pray on their behalf. Faith listens to God. Faith trusts that God is the one in control of the universe. Faith believes that God is the one who puts people in positions of authority. And faith trusts that in the end of the day, God is going to do and accomplish what God needs to do. So when governments rise and fall, when when nations are at war, when, when there's tension between parties, you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to pray. But you know what I think a lot of Christians do and a lot of people in our world do? They post. Like they share their favorite article from Fox News or CNN News. And they post their favorite meme or, or joke or, or really ugly comment about people on the other side of the, the aisle. And that's not faith and works. That's conforming to the pattern of the world. Obedience from God requires both. Tell me trust at the end of the day, I don't know who's going to get elected, but you know who I know who's in charge? God. And I believe at the end of the day, when I pray to God and say, God, help those who are in positions of authority to to rule properly, give them guidance and give them direction. And and if they take our country down a path that, that isn't good, and leads away from you, I pray and and trust that that you're still in charge and and it'll be okay because I still got you. Or maybe think about it in your relationships. And God wants obedience. You you might not like what your parents tell you that, that you should do. You might not believe that it's the right path. You might not think your curfew is the right time. You know what God would say? Honor your father and mother because they might just know a little bit better than you. They might want what's best for you. And so they would say, do it. That's obedience from God. 
Or maybe it's your relationship that you're struggling with and you're, you're wanting a sign. What should I do in my relationship and, and the, the, the struggle that I'm having with my spouse? Should I get separated? Should I get divorced? Well, maybe the first step you need to do in faith is listen to God and trust his word and, and hear him say to you, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, in love, put yourself under. Love your husbands out of love for God. In other words, live you first. And then come back to me and being obedient to God and let's talk about having done that, what, what we might need to do next, what choice should be made. So I'm guessing you might see something change <laughs> if you carry out God's commands. And God would say faith and works, listening and, and absorbing and doing is game-changing to obedience. So I don't know what area you're in, but I want you to think about maybe one or two or three areas of your life where, where you know what God says, but you're lacking maybe in follow-through. Maybe you've rationalized that that doesn't apply to you. You don't need to do it. Maybe it's in the area of finances where you've said, you know, God, you've given me a lot, but I'm not so sure I can afford to give away that portion to, to, to you or to help others who are in need. I, I don't know what area it is. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's holding on to bitterness. But I want you to think through two or three areas in your life where in faith you know what God says and, and you need to stop rationalizing, justifying, or minimizing it and consider what God would instead have you do in faith in view of God's mercy who first loved you that you can live a life of love for God and apply it. Faith and works are required. That's obedience 101. Part two, for, for obedience to, to happen, for obedience to, to be carried out, for, for, for Christians to both hear it and do it, it involves roots and fruits. You know, every time, every week, you're gonna come, we're going to come back to that, right? We're going to beat that horse until it's done. Sorry for anyone who's a horse lover. I should use that analogy. Beat that drum, is that fair? Is that better? <laughs> it, it involves roots. You have to be rooted in Jesus. You have to be rooted in the gospel. You, you have to celebrate the mercy of God. You have to know that you are loved by God. You have to know that God wants you. Uh, you have to have those Jesus roots for, for obedience to be possible. You have to. And the only way you can live in light view of God's mercy is to be rooted, to be in Jesus, to gather in, in God's house, to, to group with fellow Christians who can hold you accountable for for your areas where you struggle, the, the blind spots that you have when it comes to, to listening to God's voice and following through. You need to be in the word on a day-to-day -day basis, not as a, a box to check, but to be transformational. God, you know I struggle with that, with control. So I need you to help me give it up this morning. Because I'm going to face something today that I'm going to want to get my hands all wrapped around and, and make about me. But I want to be obedient to you and let, let you be in charge. You need roots. And you know what God promises when, when there are roots? Fruit. <laughs> Obedience to God produces fruit. Now look at some of these passages that, that, that emphasize roots and, and fruit. Being connected to Jesus, being in God's word, hearing and doing. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. In other words, they don't conform to the pattern of the world. They don't walk lockstep with, with people who don't know God but instead whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, who chews on it, who, who, who gnaws away at it, who, who incorporates it into every element, uh, every part, every decision of their life. 
that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. A person who has those kind of roots, Jesus roots, word of God roots, you know what they find and will see and experience fruit. <coughs> They'll experience more fruit of peace. When the doctor says you have a decision to make, there are three courses of option. You can have a surgery, you can do the chemo, or you can try something more holistic and, and see what happens. And I don't know many people who have been in those positions where, where health is the reality and options are available and they want God to answer. And at the end of the day, without roots, there won't be the fruit of peace and having to make a choice of, of what path to go down. But with Jesus, you can go down the path because God's promised that no matter what you might experience, that, that the path you choose might not work. I'll work it out for your eternal and spiritual good. You'll see the the fruit of peace because you know it's in God's hands. You'll find more joy when you consider what God has to say or the, the amazing ways he's, he's blessed you with resources and how he wants you to use them. And when you use those resources to give to help others in need, when you use those resources to bless your family, when, when you use those resources to, to give back to God, the joy and peace that, of contentment overflows in your heart. Because you know what you're going to see in your life? What God promises he'll do. I'll, I'll provide for all your needs. Those things that you need for daily life will, will still be there. I'll, I'll make sure of it. God produces the fruit of hope. Even when everything in this life might seem hopeless in relationships. Because you know at the end of the day, your relationship might, might break. Your, your marriage might fall apart. But when you have God... You know that in the middle of the storm, you're not doing it alone. Roots in, in Jesus produce fruit. And God promises that, that your faith will prosper. And he says this himself, Jesus says in Matthew at chapter 7, when he finishes his Sermon on the Mount, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I moved down to an apartment on the water about a year and a little over a year ago. I was literally inside this apartment building on the water when those tornadoes blew through town. You want to know how much a four-story apartment shakes <laughs> when, when, when winds are blowing through near 90 miles an hour? <laughs> I'm sitting there looking out the window going, this might not be the wisest place for me to be. And when it blew through, I'm like, thank you for the foundation holding up. We trust those things, right? Engineers have plans. They, they know what to do. God says this, when you hear the word of mine and you put it into practice, the storms of life may come. You might face a tough decision. You, you might be in the middle of a difficult challenge. You, you might be facing re relationship nightmares. You, you might be going through financial crises. I don't know what it might be, but in this life, uh, we, we are told by Jesus, we will have trouble. But with Jesus' roots, you know what he produces? Security and strength to make it through the storm. His promise is certain. I will hold you up. I will help you through it. Because <coughs> that's who I am. Obedience produces fruit. Of which the ultimate fruit is this. When the psalm writer says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. 
God in his word, when we dig into it, when we put it into practice, when we, when we live what God has called us to live, when we live in light of Jesus and God's mercy and celebrate his obedience, uh, that, that love that God has for us that overflows then in our love, you, it keeps us on the path to the ultimate goal, eternal life with God. His word is a lamp for our feet. It shows us the, the decision he'd have us make when there's a tough choice. He assures us that when we're making a choice between good thing A and good thing B, that at the end of the day, it'll be a good thing. He'll get us to where he wants us to go. Which is the ultimate destination is heaven. He might use it <laughs> uh, in, in the time of trouble to, to refine us, but, but it'll get us where he needs us to be. Because there's never a place along the journey that, that he's not there on the scene before you arrive. And there's never a time when you're on the scene that he'll disappear. And then one day when, when your breath, your heart stops beating and you stop breathing, he'll be there. Because God wants you. Roots and fruit, faith and works. And when those are in play, when they're involved, when we see what's required, then in making decisions, then in dealing with life, and when facing what does God want me to do, I want you to do this. It's the final step in obedience. Obedience both commits and submits. It commits. God, I've read your word. I've prayed this through. I know what you want me to do. And so I'm going to commit it to you. God, I've wrestled with my gifts and my talents. I think these are my strengths. I've talked to wise people in my life, my mom and my dad, uh, the, the guidance people at, at school. And so I'm going to take career path and, and, and major choice number A. And you know what I'm going to do, God? I, I, I've done all the praying. I've done all the thinking. I've had all the conversations. I'm going to commit it to you. God, I've wrestled with and thought about this relationship and how you would have me act. What, what I need to say to that person who, who hurt me, how I need to forgive and stop being bitter. I, I need to be better. I need to be loving. And I'm going to commit it to you. When it comes to my resources, God, in obedience, I'm going to think about how I'm going to take this, this amazing pie of resources you've given to me and, and I'm going to split them up appropriately and then I'm going to commit that plan to you, knowing that you will do what you've promised to do overflow my cup in the ways that you see best. It commits. And the proverb says this about when we have plans, commit them to the Lord, whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. When they're done in light of his word, when I hear his word and I obey it, when we have that kind of plan and we commit it to God, when we, we say, God, your will be done, here's the decision I'm making, he'll establish the plan. That's for your ultimate good. That's in keeping with with his goal for you to get you to heaven. And, a, and a, a plan that's committed, obedience that commits, it then ends with submitting. I'll look at Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, faith. Have faith in God. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Put yourself under him. Allow his word to be a delight to you. Uh, allow that word to permeate in your heart and transform your mind. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to make your path straight. He's going to make your path straight. It doesn't mean on the path of life that leads to heaven, there won't be difficulty or challenges. But it'll work out the path. It'll get you where he wants you to go. 
he'll bless you in the journey. He'll produce fruit when those roots are strengthened. And when acts of faith overflow in, in works, you'll see God in those moments and experience fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he promises this. And here's the thing that at the end of the day, I want you to remember. Because you're going to be, you're going to be tempted at some point to face a tough choice, right? And you're going to feel compelled that it might make or break you. And I want you to come back to this sermon. And remember this. When it comes to the decisions that we have, when it comes to the circumstances that we face in life, you know what God promises? The decisions you, you, you're, you're making and, and that you're facing, they won't break you. But you know what will make you? It's obedience. In fact, I want you to remember this. Don't get overwhelmed by trying to figure out what God wants. Do what God says. God wants obedience. Because here's his promise with obedience. It will bless your life. Obeying God. Listening to his word. Having that as a goal. You'll be blessed. You'll see fruit. You'll prosper. And that's what I pray for you. That, that when you consider this goal and maybe the areas that you want to focus in on, that, that you'll look at the roots plan that you have. Think about how you might use that plan to, to really dig into what God wants you to do. How he wants you to live. The word that he wants you to practice. And here's his promise. You'll be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word's a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. You tell us when we hear your word and put into practice uh, that we can endure whatever the circumstance. You tell us that faith and works are required. So when in faith, oh Lord, we have to make decisions where we don't see the finish line, where we don't know where it might end. Give us a faith that doesn't shrink, but, it, but instead is strong. Instead trusts and it acts. It does what you've called us to do, to be the people you want us to be to love the people that you've placed into our life, to, to live so that others might see you in our community. Obedience, Lord, you, 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 you tell us. It's done in view of your mercy. Not to get anything from you, but because we've been given everything by you. So that others might be blessed in our life and in our faith and in all that we do and say. You might be praised knowing that your promise is real. Whatever we do, then in light of you, putting ourselves under you. We know we'll prosper. We know we'll be blessed. We know where we're headed to eternity with you. Lord, keep us strong as we carry out this goal. Send your Holy Spirit to help us do it as we call on him to transform our hearts and minds. Amen.